there and welcome to the Let's Talk podcast. I'm Carrie Lloyd-Shaw, Christian blogger, wife and mum, muser and grace lover. I write and chat about a broad range of biblical subjects deeply rooted in and flowing from this focused centre that one man died for everyone. I believe that it's this truth about Jesus that makes our hope as Christians visible to others as part of a collective worldwide community of faith, the Church of Jesus Christ. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram and if you're a word nerd like me, you can check out my latest blog articles by heading on over to the website, carrieloydshaw.com. Right now though, let's talk. I recently heard a sermon about the life of Abraham and it got me thinking a lot about the man, his life and the choices that he made. There's very good reasons why he's described in Romans as the father of the faithful and in James as the friend of God. It's worthwhile considering these two great epitaphs about a man who provides so much inspiration and encouragement for our own lives today. Abraham, originally named Abram, was born around 2000 BCE and lived in the city of Ur in what is now modern-day Iraq. Abraham was the son of Terah, ninth in descent from Noah, who was the main character in the Great Flood narrative found in Genesis chapters 6 through 9. After the Great Flood, Noah's descendants settled and spread out from what is now modern-day Turkey, moving south into the region of Mesopotamia. Ur was an important Sumerian city-state in ancient Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia, meaning land between rivers, has long been called the cradle of civilization, and the region was one of the four riverine civilizations where writing was invented. Once a coastal city near the mouth of the Euphrates on the Persian Gulf, the coastline has shifted over time, and Ur is now well inland, on the southern bank of the Euphrates, in modern-day Iraq. As with all the city-states, Ur was centred on a temple dedicated to the particular patron god or goddess of the city. The city was ruled over by a priestly governor or a king, who was intimately tied to religious rites that took place in the city. It was a wealthy, prosperous and advanced city, with culture, religion and social stratas firmly established. This cradle of civilization was also the seat of a vigorous polytheism, chief of whom was Nana, the Sumero-Arcadian moon god. It is with this rich and complex background that Abraham is introduced to us in Genesis 12. This is where God appears to Abraham for the first time, telling him to leave all that was familiar and travel to an unknown place. Hebrews 11, the great dissertation on faith, expands further, telling us in verses 8-10 through 10, that by an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. God's call has been echoing down through the centuries, appealing to any who would listen. Isaiah 55 likens this call to the provision of thirst-quenching water, free of charge to those who are dying of thirst. Verse 1 of chapter 55 says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Abraham, surrounded by gods of every description, 
was dying of spiritual thirst and eagerly accepted the call of the one true God when it came. However, the most interesting and thought-provoking aspect of Abraham's acceptance is the fact that he had no idea where he was going. Think for a moment what Abraham was leaving behind in Ur, the comforts and security of a highly advanced civilization, the birthplace of culture, learning and writing, a well-established society, wealthy and prosperous. He left all this on the word and promise of God. He chose to enter into God's story, and this choice was the turning point in his life. It was a risky decision from Abraham's perspective, based only on trust, and it is this extreme act of faith that enabled God to count him righteous, or justify him, and guaranteed him the title of Father of the Faithful. As Romans 4 verses 1 through 3 puts it, he trusted God to set him right, instead of trying to be right on his own. Paul, when commenting at length on the life of Abraham in Romans 4, does not say Abraham worked for God and therefore was justified, neither does he say Abraham undertook acts of love and because of this was justified, or that Abraham made progress in character reformation and therefore was justified. He says Abraham believed God, and that faith was credited to him as righteousness. It is the one aspect that elevates Abraham to the superior example of what faith is, and why, without it, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 further indicates that faith is not about what we know, but is confidence and trust in God, and belief that his promises are sure. I find this remarkable. The word believed, used in Mark 16 verse 16, in relation to the preaching of the gospel, where it says, whoever believes and is baptised will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned, is the same word used in Hebrews 11 verse 6, describing Abraham's decision to leave Ur. It's a translation of the Greek word pistis, and means to have faith or to entrust. Abraham believed that God exists, and that he rewards those who seek him, without any facts or proof at that time that this was true. Then he acted upon it, living faith. He demonstrated the kind of faith or belief that was worth commentary in Hebrews. And not just commentary, it's the kind of faith we are to model. It certainly wasn't built on his correct doctrinal understanding of God. It was trust in God. The reality is that when he left, he had no idea where he was going, and, likely, a limited revelation at that time of the God whose call he was responding to. He simply entrusted his story into God's safekeeping and believed that God was good for his word. This is the definition of belief. God looks to our heart. He's far more interested in who we can become than in who we are right now. He's also not impressed by the amount of catechisms we can recite or how much we know. None of those things are equivalent to the biblical meaning of belief. Believing is to have faith, not to have agreement to doctrine, specifically to have faith in the promise of God. Believing is firstly a posture of the heart. Having faith is trusting God 
and believing in his provision of water without cost. Faith is looking away from our hopeless, ungodly self and looking to God's grace. The fulfillment of God's promise to us depends entirely on trusting God and embracing Him and what He is doing. Well-known pastor and author Eugene Peterson has this to say, This book, the Bible, is different. This is a world of revelation, God revealing to people just like us, men and women created in God's image, how He works and what is going on in this world in which we find ourselves. At the same time that God reveals all this, God draws us by invitation and command to participate in his working life. We gradually, or suddenly, realize that we are insiders in the most significant action of our time, as God establishes his grand rule of love and justice on this earth, as it is in heaven. Revelation means we are reading something we couldn't have guessed at or figured out on our own. Abraham is, quite literally, the father of the Jewish and Muslim peoples of the world, but he became a father long before either of his sons, from whom these descendants would come, were born. He was, and is styled, father of all those people who would embrace what God is doing for them, and who believe and trust in that work. Abraham is the father of us all, if we choose it. Accepting God's call in our life, Entering into the same promises made to Abraham and trusting that God will make good on his word brings us into the great story of what God is doing with humanity. Galatians 3 verse 8 comments this, Long ago, the scriptures said God would accept the Gentiles because of their faith. This is why God told Abraham the good news that all nations would be blessed because of him. God really wants us to know him and trust him. He always has. His plan from the very beginning was to have a relationship with us. Even when it seemed like we had ruined every chance of that, he went out of his way to put measures in place to repair the relationship by sending his son to save the world. John 3 verse 16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Faith is what brings us to that place of being put right with God, but it is faith, meshed with action, that really brings us into a full relationship with Him. The all-encompassing meaning of belief is intrinsically linked with the actions that back it up, seamless believing and doing. It isn't the doing that makes us right, but it's impossible to show our faith without the doing. The Apostle James tells us it's like separating a body from the life force or spirit within. All you end up with is a corpse. It is this faith, coupled with action, believing and doing, that elevates Abraham from being not just a father of faith, but also the friend of God, participant in a close and intimate relationship of knowing and being known. As Encyclopedia.com comments, Abraham is now regarded as one of the most influential people in all of history. The world's three largest monotheistic religions, in fact possibly monotheism itself, found their beginnings with him. Over three billion people in the modern world cite Abraham as the father of their religion. Abraham was promised by his God descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky, 
But today, two branches of his family, the Jews and the Muslims, continue to battle for his birthright. What did Abraham find in a strange and unknown place? What Abraham found was grace in the eyes of God through faith alone. God drew him to faith, and God counted that faith as righteousness, as a right standing with God. His great legacy and true birthright is as the father of faith to countless people who have come after him, regardless of their social status, ethnicity or gender. Having faith or believing isn't measured by an exhaustive list of facts we say we agree with, but rather the active entrusting our lives to God through the work of his Son and acting and living in a way that shows we believe his promises to be true. The phrase to believe can sometimes be hijacked and become synonymous with agreement to a list of doctrines, but to make it this loses the living reality of what is meant by the word and contradicts the examples given to us of those who believed or had faith. The solid rock of confidence in Christ must be the starting point of a Christian's faith, not an extensive list of facts to which they may give verbal agreement while their heart possibly remains unconverted. Abraham knew very little, but gave all his heart in confidence and trust to God. Perhaps we would call this allegiance. Perhaps we ought to speak more of allegiance and less of doctrine when evangelizing. We're not joining a club when we become Christians. We're giving our lives in trust to the Master, and this trust will hold us far more steadily through the buffeting waves of life than all the facts, true or otherwise, that we've collected in our heads. Having faith like Abraham looks like not always knowing what the next step is, what the future will look like, or even how we'll get there. But it also looks like movement and transition, a stepping forward in confidence, believing in the one who does know what the future holds, trusting that he is a good, good father and a rewarder of those who seek him. As author Dallas Willard comments, we don't believe something by merely saying we believe it, or even when we believe that we believe it. We believe something when we act as if it were true. Abraham's journey in faith towards the great unknown can become ours too. We just have to accept God's call and take that first step. The subject of faith coupled with action is one of the great threads running through the Bible and makes for interesting and inspiring reading. I would recommend the following chapters as further reading on the subject. Genesis 12, Romans 4, Hebrews 11, and James 2.